Before all of the wins in my portfolio, I was a little boy diagnosed with polio. Welcome, everybody. It's time for another Hollywood Godfather podcast. And tonight we have really a special friend and colleague, writer, and he has an interesting subject that I was part of my whole life, and I can't wait to hear his viewpoint on it. But first, I'll introduce our co-writer, my compadre, and co-host, Patrick Piccarello. Piccarelli. <laughs> you get Piccarelli. the next question. I'm just waking up. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, well, we, we, we are here tonight. Uh, we're going to introduce, and we are introducing, uh, Casey McBride, who runs a Facebook uh, page called uh, Uncle Frank's Place. And uh, I've, I've been uh, uh, on it. I'm, I'm, I'm a friend of Casey's on Facebook. And it, when I found this, it fascinated me that somebody would d- devote all the time they have to devote to Frank Costello. And the guy knows his stuff. So uh, without uh, further delay, uh, let me introduce you to Casey McBride. Hello, Casey. nice to meet you guys. Oh, <laughs> our pleasure. Thank you. Thanks Thank for you having for me. So, uh, first, let's start off by uh, by uh, telling our subscribers who you are. Well, my name is Casey McBride. Uh, I live in Portland, Oregon. I'm a I'm a mu- musician here in Portland. Uh, I've got two EPs out of music that I I wrote. Um, one is Gangsters and Ghosts Volume One, and the other is Gangsters and Ghosts Volume Two. Um, all the songs are about real gangsters. Uh, what what instrument do you play? Uh, my main instrument is drums, but on this album, I play pretty much all the the instruments myself. I have a little studio here in my house and do that just here at home. And um, I've done some music for some uh, podcasts like Gangland Wire and a couple uh, of mob documentaries uh, like the Savella Wars, Brothers Against Brothers, that our friend Gary Jenkins, who I know you guys have interviewed before, that's his uh, documentary. But, and Corky uh, Savella and all those guys are very close to me. Yeah, yeah, that's an interesting story they have there in Kansas City. And uh, Kansas but I I run a Facebook page and an Instagram page that uh, is dedicated to, like you said, Frank Costello. And uh, I just you know, anytime I find any information on Costello, pictures, stories, you know, movies, it, it doesn't have to be historical. Sometimes it's just entertainment or you know for fun. Uh, right, but, right. I, I that's you know I, I post it there for people to see and try to have like one spot on the internet that you know people can go to and and find all that stuff if they're doing research and things like that. So okay, before we get into that, uh, tell our listeners where they can get your music. Uh, it's available on you know all the the digital formats like iTunes and Spotify. Uh, if you just look up Casey McBride or Gangsters and Ghosts, it'll pop up in there. Uh, okay. And what 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 ghost are you writing about? <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the ghosts, one of the songs is about the canary that can sing and couldn't fly. So I guess <laughs> that one okay. is a, a bit about a ghost. But uh, but yeah, that was a fun project to do. You know, it, it's not often that you get to mix your interest, my interest in, in mob history and music. You know, you wouldn't think they would go together that well, but they they do. There's some good stories. I've been doing there. it all my life. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, forty years of singing about mob. <laughs> yeah, it's a, there's great stories. It's great subject matter to come oh, up with, God. you know. So, so uh, how, how did you uh, pick Frank Costello to focus on? Why him? 
Well, when, when I started getting kind of interested in in the the real history of the mob, you know, I've always been a fan of of movies. You know, obviously The Godfather and and Midnight Run, all those movies. You know, I've, anytime a mob movie comes out, I I, I watch it. Um, but I decided to try to learn a little bit more about the real history of it, and I bought that book, The Five Families from Sel and Rab, and which is an yeah. excellent book. And uh, you know, it covers a lot of ground, but you know. Costello has his own section in that book, <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. he was such an immense figure in that world. Uh, he just fascinated me. You know, he had sort of a different angle than a lot of the, the other mob guys you read about uh, being more of kind of a fixer. Than, and he was a gentleman. Yeah. You know, he, he was just an interesting guy. Uh, uh, even set aside the, the gangster aspect of it. He was a pretty interesting, you know, guy. He had a lot of, interesting things about his character and his quotes and, you know, he was a witty guy. And uh, so he just kind of stuck out um, among all the other characters. And I started, I got a book, I got uh, uncle Frank's place one time for Christmas as a, a, a gift, read that. And then I was hooked. I, you know, I bought every, everything I could find on the guy. Uh, and luckily there's, there's quite a bit compared to a lot of other mob. Oh my you know, God. Oh, there is. So he's a well, good he, guy. He's such to study. a fascinating guy. His his business accolades are amazing. Most people don't even know yet because some of the buildings he still owns. Yeah, it's, you know it, it, that side of him is you know is completely the opposite of me. I think a lot of times you become interested in things that are you know that that whole life. I'm over here on the West Coast in Portland, and you know didn't grow up around any of that. But it's always been kind of exotic and fascinated me. And uh, but you know Frank, you know with that his his business acumen and just as an organizer, you know when he during Prohibition with all the ships and all the things oh that he God. was doing, and and you're you're doing, you know he's doing all this. You can't really keep records. It's not like today where you have computers and stuff. He's doing all this in his head keeping track of all that stuff. And I, I found it fascinating. So when you first started doing the research, did you have an objective of uh, putting your wealth of information on Facebook or that came as an afterthought? Uh, that was an afterthought. I, I wrote a couple pieces for a, a website called the national crime syndicate.com. Uh, this is years ago. Uh, and it's, you know, strictly a hobby. The, this whole thing is, is really just a hobby for me. Um, but uh, just one day on a lark, my brother, you know, convinced me to get on Facebook so that we could communicate a little bit easier. And I resisted for a long time. And once, once I finally got on, I, I decided, well, I'm going to put up, you know, one on Frank Costello. Maybe I'll get 50, 75 people will come on here that are interested in, we can talk, you know, maybe they can share some information, but kind of once I put it up, it, it took off. I mean, I would have never imagined some of the things that have come out of that little Facebook page, you know, that I've been able to do. And some of the people I've been able to meet, it was, that was all a surprise. I had no idea. How many years you doing this now? How long has the page been up? I think, well, when did I put it up? I think it was 2017. I don't even remember now. It's been, you know, so long. Um, But it took off pretty quick. Like right away, a lot of his, uh, as soon as I put it up, some of his family members contacted me. Uh, oh, that's interesting. It, that, yeah. yeah, not something I expected. And and one of his relatives, I'd only had it up about a week, and he he messaged me and he said, you know, call me, I want to talk to you. And I, and I pretty much thought that that meant you know he wanted it taken down. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but, who, who, 
is uh, Noel Castilla, and he he's um, he's a cousin of of Costello's, and he helps me with the page sometimes. So he kept the he kept the original name. He did, yes, yeah. His uh, his side of the family. He didn't. He really didn't have any um, much contact with with Costello. He was, you know, that side of his family. Uh, he he saw him once, but was never really allowed to, you know, to be around him and, and to associate with him back in the day. But uh, was he living in America or, or in Sicily? Yeah, no. He he he's he was born here and and grew up here. Okay, so he's a younger guy. He well, he's he's older. He's in his eighties. I think I believe he's eighty mid eighties right now. Uh-huh. So, but so, he, but he, he, he ended up being as interested in it as I was. You know, he uh, he didn't call me to tell me to to take it down. He he wanted to talk, and well, he uh, couldn't tell you to do that anyway. Yeah, yeah true. But I you know, try, if, but was it going to was it going to accomplish <laughs> that? <laughs> you know, being that it's a hobby and and how I do this, like if if. If he were to ask me to take it down, I would. He's a really nice guy. We've become good friends. And if there was something on there that he didn't like or he found distasteful uh, and he asked me to remove it, I, I would, no question. Oh, yeah, you know? taking some, some of it down. I mean, if, if he's offended by it, but I mean, to take yeah. the whole thing down, why? So but, uh, I mean, That's just my opinion, anyway. Yeah. Have any of uh, Frank Costello's contemporaries contacted you? <laughs> I haven't really had uh, much contact with, you know, anything like that. Um, what is most uh, of them are dead anyway. Yeah. That's, you yeah. know, that you was one it. of the things about doing this with Frank, you know, he's all that is in the past now. And it's a little, it's a little yeah, safer, I guess you could say, you know, to delve into this stuff. It's not really anything that it hasn't already been out there or anything. If, if this was a, a current mob guy or something like that, I probably wouldn't even do yeah. attempt something like this you know so you found obviously you told me you have something like uh, 7700 subscribers yeah okay so there are people out there who have uh an interest like you do or maybe even more interested and when when they found you they must have you know jumped on this given the opportunity you know to 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 be in uh in the company of other people who have the same interest what's yeah. the what's the basic uh posts like i mean what are people looking for on this page are, are they sharing things are they looking for information are they finding information what i think a little bit of all that um mainly you know one of the main things that i post i'm always on the lookout for pictures for new photographs or film um uh through the page i you know i made some contact with uh some people whose relatives were uh in business with frank and uh, one instance, um, a guy, uh, Diamond Jim Moran down in New Orleans, his grandson and, and I have come pretty good friends. And he had home footage of Frank and his dad on a boat, you know, fishing in New Orleans. Oh, they love fishermen. Yeah. And uh, not every weekend. Yeah. And I, I got contacted by the Smithsonian uh, American, uh, what that show, it's uh, America in Color, where they take old black, uh, black and white footage and they colorize it and make documentaries out of it and they did the one on prohibition and they contacted me and i was able to put them in touch with bobby and uh got that footage on there and so there was you know like home movies of him uh recently i went to the mob museum to see the al capone home footage it was there in vegas yeah um they they got some footage from capone's family when they auctioned off a lot of his uh stuff and he had a film canister that he took in 1929, one of the, the first, 
you know, video cameras or not even a video camera. It's a film. Yeah, Mag Stripe. Yeah. And uh, I remember that. Yeah. And it's Luciano and Frank down in uh, Florida. Florida. Yeah. Hanging out at his pool. On that island. Yeah. Yeah. So I got to see that. So things like that are are kind of the finds that I'm always on the the lookout for. Yeah, that's great stuff. Some footage or something like that. And, uh, you know, luckily with Frank, there's there's actual audio of him talking, too. So, you know, he had that voice and everything. So it's great to be able to hear the voice, you know, to the pictures, because a lot of those guys, you know, like Capone and and I think even Luciano, I don't know if there's any recorded audio of them speaking. So I I have actually a lot of Luciano because he was very close to, I don't know if you know this guy's name, Ugo Bufa in Sicily. Yeah. And heard the uh, name. Yeah. He's uh, I just saw him. Wow. In October. Yeah. Yeah, see, uh, that, that, no, that's something I'd never uh, have heard, like anything of, of Luciano talking or something like that. But those are, those are, you know, big finds if you can get them. Uh, but a lot of that stuff, you know, it's locked away with family and and they don't want to, you know, put it out. There. Oh, no. Well, and, you know, it's, right now, I mean, it's, if they're not involved, why, you know, why stir it up? And, and mm-hmm. it, it brings, un- they don't want the attention, number one. And, and you know, I, I just did at a dinner, he knows, uh, Pat knows I was, I went to uh, Sicily for the 50th anniversary to Godfather. And um, the gentleman who hosted it rented the compound that where Pacino was living with Albalonia. Oh, wow. Oh, it was really interesting. But was more interesting, a guy showed up around 11 o'clock at night with an entourage. And it was Ugo Buffa's son. They knew I was there, and he came to pay his respects. The whole <laughs> the party went silent. I'm talking about twenty-some <laughs> people. I, he must have a, a living legend in Sicily. We were in Sicily, and to see these guys show up was like mes- my date almost fainted because this <laughs> guy. I mean, you know, they have they have that look. There's certain guys that have that look, and you look in their eyes and. You don't see anything. It's yeah, like scary guy. But anyway, did you, so did you go to his uh, uh, the apartment building where he lived in New York, Casey? At all? I tried to get in uh, to see the lobby, and uh, but the the doorman wasn't having it. <laughs> I've had a a few friends that that also uh, there's a, a gentleman Mike Mafucci that helps me with the um, with uh, Frank's place too, and he actually lives in New York. And he's he's tried to go there and take a look inside too, but they they wouldn't let him in. I, I get the feeling, you know, we're not the only ones who have asked. It sounded like that he gets asked a lot about. That. Well, f- funny you should bring that up. Uh, after John Lennon got killed, I was guarding Yoko Ono with a b- bunch of other cops, New York City oh, cops. Wow. Uh, yeah, they John and Yoko liked New York City cops. In fact, uh, when the city wouldn't give us uh, bullet resistant vests, I don't like to use the term bulletproof because they're not. But anyway. Uh, the city said, oh, it isn't in our budget, it, you know, we can't afford it. Uh, they volunteered to get vests for every cop on the job, 48,000 cops, that comes to a few dollars. That's amazing. And they embarrassed the city so much that they wound up uh, springing for the vests. But anyway, uh, Yoko lived across the street uh, in the uh, Dakota, yeah, which is where Rosemary's Baby was filmed. So we were on the street, and it's directly across the street. Uh, uh, on the same quarter, in fact, just the opposite corner. Right. And, uh, uh, you know, we'd be leaving the building all the time and everybody knew who we were. So one day I decided to go 
to the to the Frank's building and asked to see if I could see the lobby. What I wanted to see was the elevator, <laughs> uh, because that's where he was shot. Uh, and uh, yeah, they, they they let us in because you know we we had the entree, we had the shields, you know. Yeah, you, different situation. You, know, you could basically go anywhere. Uh, so mm -hmm. it, it was fascinating. I saw the elevator. Uh, yeah. I've never told you about this, Johnny. Just no. when uh, Casey started talking about it, it just reminded me. And we went yeah. in there, uh, looked at the elevator, and I'm thinking to myself, there's no this? way he could miss none. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I said, you know, if you're looking to kill someone, like, you know, allegedly it was an attempted hit, yeah. uh, and Frank uh, uh, zigged and zagged, and he almost dodged a bullet. But if you're looking to kill somebody, I mean, it, it, it's an elevator. It's like a closet. How do you miss somebody? What's the story behind that? Well, I'm, I'm glad that they did, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, there wouldn't be as much stuff to, to post. But, um, you know, I've heard a lot of different, um, pretty much every, like, legend out there about Costello. I've heard, uh, like, five different versions of them at this point, you know, from different people and stuff. And, and I know there's a lot of... Uh, a lot of folks out there that say that he missed by design. I don't know. That seems like that would be a pretty difficult shot for somebody to make, well, to, yeah. you know, to graze somebody's head like that. But yeah, but uh, Chin, Chin, Chin was a smart kid. Uh, I can tell you. That's the shooter. The, yeah. yeah. Chin Gigante. But the, um, the funniest thing, two weeks after that, and after he didn't recognize and then, you know, all of that with the police, they all had dinner together. <laughs> that's what I've heard. Yeah, <laughs> just you know, that's you know, we ask like why you're you know, I get interested in this. It's like stories like that that you just yeah. you know they're unbelievable. He wanted to step down. But most people don't realize he was already working with Maya Lansky, working with Tony um, Tony Accardo in Chicago, and they were moving on. And he he basically when Vito came out, it, he was jealous of because he was so. Well liked and respected. Vito never had that. Vito Genovese. Yeah, Vito. Gen oh, I'm sorry, Vito yeah. Genovese. And uh, so he was happy to give the family back. So I don't know who who orchestrated this and why, but it all worked out perfectly for everybody. And that was it. Yeah, you know, I because uh, uh, that's the way I've under always kind of understood it too. From what I've kind of gathered is that you know Frank was was really he was wanting to get out of that hole thing at that point i mean he'd been through so much at that point everybody knew who he was you know and uh so and he amassed a major fortune he yeah. already had over 45 million yeah i mean he was one of those guys that um you know he's doing fine on his own oh know? yeah i you know some um some of those guys i think you know they need the, the mob to be successful but frank's one of those guys i think that they needed frank more than he needed them you know in a way because you know he he was you know perfectly capable of of just being successful. On oh, his legitimate own business, point. definitely. Yeah, now, I, I'm I'm reaping the harvest of it yet. This is like I said, when he when he died, I was called to the lawyer's office. I've been been there so many times bringing envelopes, and um, he left me six units in here. He owns this, the building. It's amazing. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> and one of the apartments came with forty seven phones. <laughs> yeah. Mine. <laughs> My bedroom had twelve twelve riders constantly on the wire service. Wow! Did yeah. Do you, you still use one of his phone numbers, right, Johnny? I still have it. Yeah, yeah. Plaza Three. Nobody has that number. That's yeah. great. Eight one seven one. 
You know, that battle shooting thing goes to show the difference between what the mafia used to be compared to what it is now. I mean, two weeks after the shooting, the victim and the shooter get together at a dinner and the shooter thanks the victim for not turning him in. But that's the way business was conducted in those days. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just yeah, it's it's mind blowing to you know somebody like me, just that whole life and all that stuff. So I yeah, it's fascinating. Well, it gives it gives new meaning and an opportunity from a film that I was in. It's nothing personal, Michael. It's just business. <laughs> exactly. Um, are you guys are you guys aware of the the new movie that's being made with Robert De Niro with him? And all they're that. shooting it now yeah um i was lucky enough to have uh deborah messing who's going to be playing his wife uh contacted me and wanted some information on bobby because there's you know there's not a lot out there and uh she wanted to get as much as she could you know so she could... bobby if anybody knows bobby he's going to make his own version he ain't <laughs> right he's, he's so nuts yeah well <laughs> yeah it, it's going to be interesting to see he's playing both genovese and and Costello so that's going to be interesting but uh but yeah but Deborah so she contacted me about getting information on, on his wife and you know anything I could give her and so I I told her everything that I knew and pointed her in a couple directions of people who who actually knew her that I I would never have access to be able to talk to but I figured you know she might and uh, it's so funny his wife only knows him as her husband right she knows I mean she couldn't tell you anything about him other than what, you know, how he was as a husband and a father. Sure. Yeah. I mean, and what life she led too. Oh, just, you know, God. her story is just as interesting, really. But well, when uh, you think about it, the guy used to leave us every night and go have dinner. He went home every night for dinner. He was back out, but he was there. It was crazy. I mean, the only time he wasn't at home was he loved going deep sea fishing. He loved going fishing. That was his pastime. Yeah, I think seemed- that's how they're going to kill him. <laughs> yeah, he seemed he seemed to like the ocean and ships uh, that whole side of it you know like with the prohibition thing yeah uh, I, I think he had a real love of of the sea and sailing and stuff like that yeah. sure when did, uh, i'm sorry go ahead. Oh, sorry. Uh, so when did costello's wife uh, pass away because i was trying to find information on this when i was writing our current book if you recall i couldn't find it i believe it was, it was shortly after he passed away it wasn't too long she moved down to new orleans with you know her family uh, down there right. and uh she lived a little while but i i, I think probably 74 yeah i think oh. it was a year after him yeah it, it was only about a year after uh yeah, yeah we, I, I only spoke to her on the I, I spoke to her it's funny because there was a warrant for my arrest for nothing that i had to do with it but they thought i had something to do with the kennedy assassination and so uh I have. I was in the. There was a, a public grade school right across the street from uh, Frank. Uh, what the hell is that? The famous uh, on Eighty Sixth Street in Madison. It's the, the, uh, Frank E. The the funeral home. Yeah. yeah. Frank Campbell. Yeah. Frank Campbell. Yeah. So I was on the third floor, and I always wear suits anyway. And the superintendent was after school. You know, after school was out, and uh, he says, "What are you doing in here?" I said. I'm undercover. I'm watching the funeral next to his home. And he's standing next to me talking to me like I was really a cop. And because I he's why you're in here. So I got it as an aerial shot. I just wanted to, the only reason I was there, because I wanted to call the wife and let her know I was there because I couldn't go in. And I complimented her on her dress and she knew I was there. She said, I felt your presence. You know, I never met her personally. 
Oh, wow. Yeah. I spoke to her on the phone. She had my phone number, the number I have here. And anytime she knew me by the kid. And, and most people, because of him, never knew my name until I did The Godfather. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, 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 maybe you should, Jai, maybe you should cl- uh, clear up why you couldn't go to the funeral. It wasn't only because the police were looking to question you. It was because you were suspected of uh, setting up Joe Bonanno. Joe Colombo. Uh, Joe Colombo, pardon me. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no. What happened was, you know, when they, look, when they, on, on uh, June 28, 1971, when they shot Joe Colombo, I was supposed to be on the dais because he got me the part of the Godfather. You know, he got me that part. Without him and, and, and Barry Schlotnick, I wouldn't have been in the movie. I get a call from Tommy Bellotti of the famous Bellotti brothers, and he was the best man of my wedding. That's how close I was to the guy. And he called me. He says, you going to the rally today? I said, yeah. He said, no, you're not. I said, what are you talking about? I'm on the dais. He said, I don't care if Joe Colombo was sitting on your lap. You're not going. The old man don't want you to go. The old man being? Carlo Gambino. But the interesting thing, thank God I called Barry Schlotnick. I said, Barry, you got to apologize to Joe. I have stomach flu. I ain't going. I'm not sitting anywhere but on the toilet. (laughs) But if I didn't say that to him, I would have been dead. I wouldn't be here today. Because when they studied the crime photographs, on the dais, there was an empty chair with my name on it. And now everybody wondered why I wasn't there. Including the Colombo family, which Junior Persico took over immediately, and he was a mad dog. That guy, forget it. And we got lucky, Pat and I, because he was still alive when our book was coming out. The first one. The first book. He died two days before the book came out. Oh wow! Is that why? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Otherwise, we could have we could have had a problem, you know. Yeah. Uh, because he, you know, he was he was still he had long arms. They used to say. Anyway, uh, yeah. before before we continue, what do you say we go to a commercial, make us some money? All right, I'll be right back. And don't go anywhere. You know we know where you live. This is Patrick Piccarelli, co-host of the Hollywood Godfather podcast. I'm also the president of Condo Security and Investigations, a full-time investigative and security firm established in 1988. We are located in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, with worldwide affiliates. Our business paradigm is simple, to provide the most professional services possible while maintaining an ethical standard and client satisfaction. Our areas of expertise include criminal and civil investigations, asset searches, surveillance, executive protection, question documents, background investigations, computer forensics, polygraph, and many other services. Our staff consists of former law enforcement professionals with hundreds of years of combined experience. Your initial consultation is free. Visit our website, www.condorprivateeye.com, or call 724-396-2808. Thank you. All right, we're back. Yeah, so so uh, you couldn't go to, uh, to uh, Frank's uh, funeral because the, uh, the Columbos would have known if they're looking for you. Oh, the and they were there paying their respects to looking for people that were going there. <laughs> no, that was a, a, an interesting time in my life. But that's when you could fly on the Mary Poppins, you know, before 9-11. I used to fly in and out of here. Nobody even knew I was here. And I never stood at the, you know, the, the illogical places. 
My place was the, the, the Warwick Hotel. Nobody would ever think I was at the Warwick Hotel. <laughs> but that's funny. I mean, so, so because you you weren't there, you were your your absence was outstanding in that gee, the boss gets shot. Where's Gianni? Yeah, after you know, being with him almost every day. You know, he used to come to the set all the time. And a lot of his people were actually the whole Barzini crew in our movie was Joe Colombo's real crew. Oh wow. I mean, Georgie, Georgie Boyd, the Chico, all those guys were real guys. Yeah. They all said they all loved it at the wedding. They all, I mean, there was a hundred years of good behavior at the wedding. Real guys. <laughs> so as this as this page grows, uh, do you find yourself getting contacted? You, know, you, you gave us a couple of examples, but do you find yourself getting contacted more and more by people who want to pick your brain? Um. I usually about once a year something comes up that's you know kind of interesting. Like uh, I had the the Reels Network flew me down to uh, San Francisco once to do you know be a talking head on one of their uh, shows about Frank uh, and The Godfather. It was kind of about the, you know his connection with that movie, but um, but yeah, generally you know. Um, I'll get about once a year, somebody will contact me with something surprising or interesting that, you know, will lead to something that I didn't know, or, you know, I've been doing it so long now, we're kind of getting to the end of, you know, of mining all there is out there about them. So I kind of figured it would just taper off, but it, you know, something will still usually come up. That's interesting. Uh, about once a year, I'll generally get contacted by somebody who has been told or believes that they're his uh, grandson or granddaughter. Yeah. And they'll go through like the, the whole DNA thing with like some family members and stuff. It's never ended up coming to anything, but that's always interesting when that happens. You know, you're just kind of like, there's somebody who's been told all their life that, you know, he was their grandfather and uh, they wanted well, to a lot out. of guys, you know, a lot of, a lot of wannabes want to be associated. So yeah. that was a good way to tell their kids and keep the legend going. <laughs> yeah. Back in the day, you know, when you couldn't, there was yeah. no way to prove it. Nowadays, you know, you you can do it pretty easily. So uh, I don't know if you read our our, our current book, uh, The Sixth Family. I haven't read that one yet. I've read the first one. Yeah, but Pat really touched on all of that. We use a lot of that ancestry thing to tie different characters in our book, right? Yeah, now. Uh, Frank Costello. This the book takes place after his death, but uh, he well, some of it does anyway. The majority of it does, but he plays an important role in this story. It is fiction. Uh, but uh, uh, Frank, and we say that loud and clear. It's yeah, fiction. It's fiction. <laughs> but uh, Frank Costello plays a, a prominent role in the in the main plot of the book. Oh, I definitely have to check that out. I, I enjoy fiction books about that kind of thing. You know, using well, we uh, had to because you know, with our first book, we got away with a lot of things that were true. And fortunately, I didn't get indicted again. But <laughs> <laughs> okay, good thing. Yeah. But uh, you know, we we. We want to keep going, and so we the only way we could do it. And I love our disclaimer. Did does he know our disclaimer, Pat? No, our, our disclaimer is this book is, is a work of fiction, except for the parts that are true. <laughs> <laughs> so that about says it all. What Gianni says is is fact. You know, we wanted to say a lot more. This guy's got like four books in him, as far as uh, you know, a book uh, a story is based on on his life as he lived it. But there's certain things you can't say. But if you turn it into fiction, uh, uh, after we go off the air, I'll get your address. I'll send you a copy. Oh, yeah, I'd love it. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, 
No, I just, love. I think that's interesting when they people use you know real life characters in fiction like that. I, I was a fan of the that uh, Godfather of Harlem there for f- the first few seasons when um, Servino was playing Frank Costello. I really enjoyed the way he he played him, and unfortunately, he passed away, and right. so his character won't be on there anymore. So, but, but all of that, you know, is. I mean, I know a lot about that. He was never involved with Bubba and those guys. Yeah, I mean, that's, you I know. Mean, they, they never saw those guys. There's a lot of, um, you know, that movie that, a lot that of Departed yeah. really did a lot of, you know, not damage, but it created a lot of confusion with Frank Costello. You know, the the character that Jack Nicholson played, they right. named him Frank Costello, but I think that's more based off of Whitey Bulger. But uh, yeah. So They're many quotes are out there now where you know it says Frank Costello, and people think that's him, and you know it couldn't be farther from the, the yeah, after, after someone passes away, you have free reign. You can do yeah. whatever you want. Oh, yeah. We could have made, we could have made Costello out to be a, a, a one-eyed transvestite dwarf. I mean, you know, he's gone, you know, and there isn't anything to say. But of course, it would have taken away from the story. But uh, uh well, that's funny that you mentioned Whitey Bulger because Whitey was hiding out in, in Santa Monica in California for a long time, which right. I can't believe they couldn't find him. They were everything were registered under his girlfriend's name. Now, how how much you must carry a sign? But I met him a couple of times because I knew he was there and you know gave him envelopes from certain people. <clears throat> I started inviting him to my house for dinner. Wow. My little kids thought he was Uncle Whitey. Like an uncle. When he got arrested, my wife wanted to kill me. Did this guy was coming on Sunday for dinner? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's, he's another interesting character, too. But well, The FBI finally uh, wised up after trying to find this guy for 13 years. They said to themselves, you know, the light bulb goes off. And they said, we can't find him. What do you say we look for his girlfriend? I mean, and the rest is history. Right? Yeah. That was, I mean, <laughs> so what what kind of I mean, I I've I've been on your, your page uh, uh numerous times, but the you just might want to hear what kind of threads are launched, you know, or who starts writing uh, you know, what do people ask? What do they want to know? Are they sharing information? Are they asking questions and who responds? The main question you always get asked is, did did he make his bones? You know, that everybody wants to know, did Frank Costello, you know, ever kill anybody or anything? And as far as I know, is the answer would, is no. My no, answer didn't. is always, though. I'll tell you that, he didn't. Yeah, like, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if someday we found out he did, you know, given who he was and what he did. But um, the, there's only one story, really, that I even know of, of a, a rival bootlegger that did get uh, killed and I, oh, he I, had people so, killed, but he didn't yeah. do any. He didn't do any work himself. And I think he, he's, you know, there <laughs> were stories in the early days when he was a bootlegger that he could be violent. Which, you know, that's you want that if you're in that world. The more well, yeah, people think you are, <laughs> the better off you're going to be. But um, it's like I said, as far as I know, he never did. Uh, that's the main thing people want to know. Um, I had a long conversation with Mario Puzo because you know. It, Obviously, Don Corleone is fictitious, but he he has three Dons that created him. I don't know if you ever heard the story before. Joe Pavacci, right? Who was the oil man, and who had all the uh, politicians and police in his pocket was Costello, but he liked the image because he wanted to look at soft and, and you know growing his own tomatoes and all that, and that was Carlo Gambino. Right. So the three of them together created Don Corleone. 
Yeah, that's what I've heard too. That's what I've always. But, but he he did numerous. He was at my house as a house guest. Him and Marlon Brando, believe it or not. Wow. Was, I I used to. I'm, I was very friendly with a guy called um, Johnny Agnelli, who owned Fiat Motor Company. So he used to give me his house at Chateau Benefiat in the south of France during the film festival. He would come because I'd have all my friends come. And this year that we did this party. That was the Superman that Mario Puzo wrote. Right. And Marlon Brando was his father. Now, talk about a coincidence. <laughs> and we had everybody up there. But I picked his brain for weeks. But he did intensive research on it. Yeah, it shows, you know, that oh, yeah. we're still talking about that movie today. It's, oh, it's that's incredible. Amazing. You know, the, the I got to say this, or my brother's going to kill me. Uh, the, the first time that I ever, you know, I didn't know that I was seeing you on film, but when I was, I believe, six or seven, my brother and I were at the drive-in and we saw the uh, the preview for the movie Laser Blast. And oh my God. weeks, we were, we wanted to see that movie so bad. That's all we ever talked you ever about. You ever hear about that movie, Pat? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I, we, I, I was an FBI. I movie. was an FBI informant for for, for uh, unidentified, uh, unidentified flying objects. You believe this? It was so crazy. Oh my! It had the two little claymation aliens in it, and we saw that preview, and we were just we couldn't wait to see that movie. That was the, like the hey, biggest Johnny, thing. No wonder you never talked about it. <laughs> oh no, no! But I'm saying right now, what what happened was, um, Franco Blanche, you know, he. he was at the head of Fox and they had star Wars. So his brother and I created this movie. He said, come up. That's when they had double features. He's do a sci-fi movie and I'll get you in there. So we piggyback that all around the country. That's when the, the studios owned the theaters. And that's why that movie did so well. Yeah. So my ego, I saw one to be it. I mean, you saw it now. Or, or did you see the movie yet or not? Me? Oh yeah, we we went to the drive-in, saw it like three times. Oh, you're the one. <laughs> but, but no, but Pat, I'm going to tell you, they had they. I had such freedom in there. He'll tell you, I'm wearing Brioni suits, driving a Cadillac. I'm supposed to be an FBI agent. And, and, it, and it was all your stuff, your real stuff. I just oh said. yeah, no, it was on budget. We were, I said I ain't going to wear that stupid stuff. White socks, brown shoes. Get out of that wardrobe. You know. <laughs> I said, no, no, I'm I'm just my own character. Forget about it. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to see that. But it's been, you know, I haven't seen it since I was a kid. But is uh, it available anywhere? You think? Oh, yeah, it's, it's in circulation. Oh, it's out there somewhere. The the trailer of it is on YouTube. I I watched that the other day. And but like I said, my brother and I we still talk about that movie. That was like our favorite movie when we were. I gotta. Get, I want to get a look at it. Just the resurrection. <laughs> Laser blast. Yeah, well, I didn't, that, I didn't even know about The Godfather yet. That was the first, my first experience. That's wow. I did another movie like that that created all of this. I did a movie with the Super Mario Brothers. Oh, wow. And my little kids, my last two, Luciano and Adriana, they used to watch that all the time. And I, I was the mob boss in that, and I kidnapped the princess. My <laughs> daughter was so into this. She come running in the room and she's watching. She's, you got to let the princess go. That's what I'm talking about. Because <laughs> they can't relate. You know, six year old daughter, what's she going to do? But anyway, it's so funny. But, yeah. So, uh, what do you see with your page for, for for the for the future? I mean, you're going to make any changes? Are you looking to do, do something you haven't already done? Uh, well, I'd like. We have a YouTube channel too. Uh, 
that I would like to do more interviews maybe in the future. I've done a couple of those in the past, just different authors and things like that. A um, couple uh, casino guys. And, and uh, I would like to, you know, kind of like what you guys do, uh, just try to talk to as, as many people as I can that have any kind of connection, you know, or something to offer in that. Uh, like I said, it, 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 at this point, we're getting kind of towards, it's harder and harder to find anything new. Um, You got a great lead. I don't want to interrupt you, but you just said that the actress reached out who's playing his wife. Right. You should go visit the set with a camera. I would love to. I wish I could. (laughs) I know they're going to invite you. They're doing that right now. I think she's doing the filming, but uh, she got to talk to, like I said, um, you know, one of the, the, ladies that was uh with the costellas the night that he got shot um uh you know john miller his his mom oh uh, john miller john. i know yeah, we, yeah. we know john very well uh, right i'd love to talk to him but he uh his his mom is still alive and his she, mom yeah, yeah and she, 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 she talked so yeah so she got to talk uh to her, you know, I told her, you know, if there's anybody that's going to be able to give you information on what she was like, you know, she was her, her friend and knew her. She really lived, well. she lived on shelter. She lives on Shelter Island the last time I saw her. John oh, yeah. Walt, yeah. They live on but Shelter she's gotta Island. Be, she's gotta be well into her nineties. John is in his sixties. I mean, yeah. I mean, I when uh Anthony DiStefano wrote the the book, the top hoodlum book, I, I helped him on a couple of things, getting some pictures and things like that. But when uh, he was first getting started, I I said, you know, this is the person that if you can talk to her, you know, like I said, I, I don't have access to things like that. But I was like, you, you know, you might be able to. And, and he did. And so when uh, when I was talking with Deborah about this messaging back and forth with her, I said, I don't know if she's still alive, but you should try because you probably could talk to her. I, I didn't think she would be still alive, but apparently but she you is. should use Deborah now to visit the set. <laughs> I mean, I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, you know, I want to be in it. <laughs> I would love to be like an extra in that movie or something. That would be great. Where's if you go down there, she could do that in one day. <laughs> I'm telling you. I think she might be done down. now. I think that her part, I don't even know if she's still filming. The last time I talked to her was a couple of weeks ago, and she shot me a, a message and said, started filming. And she said that De Niro looks just like, you know, Costello, the way they've got him uh, done up. Oh, I've seen makeup, a picture of him. Amazing. Yeah, I've seen a picture of him as Genevieve, and he looks just like him. I was shocked. So he's he's playing both parts. Playing both parts, yeah. At his yeah. choice, or the, uh... I don't know. I, I probably, I mean, as an actor, that's probably something that would be. Well, he likes those challenges. Well, it's something about Bobby, you know. If you want Bobby to come to your house and read the newspapers for a week, pay him a million dollars. He gets a million a week. He'll do any part you want. He don't right? care. <laughs> He's not in for craft and getting a statue. He don't want that. He wants to go to the bank. Right. <laughs> the history bed divorces. Forget about it. He's not making the best film choices of late. He'll, like you say, he'll do anything. Well, well hopefully this one will, you know, will be. It, it's always tough with a movie like this when it's about, you know, a subject matter that you're interested in or that you know something about, you, you know, because you just, you pick it apart. It's always like, well, that's not accurate or. So you know, I just I want to go into this one with just an open mind and you know hopefully but I don't I don't even know if this is going to be a general release because the budget ain't that big they they gave all the money to Bobby <laughs> <laughs> well probably especially if he's doing two roles you know <laughs> he's getting paid twice but when is this supposed to drop 
I don't know about the release date yet. Um, oh, by the time they edit and all that, probably in they're probably, they're probably going to come out around Christmas. What's well, the title? I, I, I hope so. It's I think it's called Wise Guys at this point. It's a Nick Pileggi uh, script, and Barry Levinson is directing it. So, oh wow, they're, they're two close friends of mine. But, wow, I mean, uh, Barry Levinson, you know, uh, I love Barry. He's made, he's made some pretty good movies. He's oh no, my favorite. If Barry's so. doing it, then they got a good they got a good budget. Yeah, and he's really good at doing those kind of period pieces. I oh think. my I god, think, yeah, he's you know, the best. No. Yeah, movies like The Natural and stuff. He just it, they look fantastic, and so you know, I've got. I didn't know. Was, I didn't know it was those guys. That's yeah, funny. you know that's interesting because when uh, they were thinking of making uh, Nick Pelleggi's book, which was titled Wise Guys, into a film, there was a, a problem with using that name because there was a television series of the same name. Right. Wise Right, I was in it. Change it to Goodfellas. So uh, finally, he's 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 getting to use the title. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if it's going to stay that, uh, or if that's just like you know a working title. But that's what uh, what I've seen you know printed of what they're calling it at this point. Well, you know, talking about that TV series, Ray Sharkey and I played the Steel Graves brothers. We did the first arc of six episodes of the Wise Guys, and that's when Ken Wall. They found Ken Wall pumping gas in Santa Monica. They had a great look. Never did anything before in his life. And they gave him that. Stephen Cannell wow. gave him that part. <laughs> and he blew it. He blew it. How? Yeah, you don't see him anymore. Nowhere. They, they blackballed him. The, the right. show was so hot. And they had him for three years. He would not renew. And now anybody in television... Do five years, you never work again because the, the royalties just keep coming. Yeah. This kid, somebody was managing him. He thought who the hell he was. He asked for astronomical numbers, and then they wouldn't. He wouldn't renew. He never worked again anywhere. That's it's tough crazy. business. <laughs> that would be yeah. hard to be just well, thrown into that. <laughs> well, when you're hurting people like that, CBS, Stephen Cannell. Stephen Cannell is like you know one of the biggest. Producers at that time, and yet oh, he, he had numerous series on. Oh, I, had, I was on most of them. Twenty one. He had Rapid Files too. You were on that. Was that? He had the Rapid Files, didn't he? Yeah. Hello. And you were on that for, for a while. I did twenty three Rapid Files. Wow. No, I mean it's crazy. I, I was doing some. I did two hundred hours of television. It was kind of nuts. I loved it. So I've seen you on the Rockford Files and didn't know it. I guess because I used to watch that show all the time. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's uh, it's been good, but no, I think you you you're limiting yourself. I'd go after that. I mean, she's gone now. You're probably right. <laughs> so, and I didn't know that. I didn't know who was directing it. They show you with a camera that confiscated. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it sounds like a pretty big. You know, it's a uh, it's going to be oh, a, yeah. a a pretty big pretty big deal and everything. They're and shooting it down south somewhere for some reason. And they use that a lot. The unions, the city yeah. contributes and all that. You know, I think when she was shooting, they were in Cleveland. I've seen some pictures from the set. The one that I saw of um, of De Niro as Genovese that they were shooting in, in Cleveland. I think Levinson has used that town quite right. a bit. So he, he knows it and, you know, it's easy for him to do so. But that's well, but Barry's a great director. Yeah. And, Nick, I know Nick well. I mean, Nick, Nick, uh, you know, endorsed our first book. Yeah, that's. I th- think he's on the, the one that I've got. He's talking on there. Um, and I, from what I've understood from uh, Anthony DiStefano, 
who, who knows him as well. He's uh, he said Nick has always been really interested in Costello, so I'm glad that he. Oh, I know we finally did this. Well, his, uh, most people don't know this. Gay Talese is his uncle. Oh wow! Now imagine every Christmas I'm invited to Gay Talese's house. Lives on my block. We would go there. We'd talk for hours, and his wife would come and say, oh, you have other people here. He said, no, no, i got to talk to this guy. Because he loved Costello. Like you said, he was fascinated by him. He knew about him all his life. And, uh, no, it's uh, Nick's what a gentleman, though, Jesus. Yeah. I mean, I'm surprised it took this long for somebody to make a movie about Costello. I'm, my gripe always over the years has been that nobody's, you know, out of all the, the people to make a movie about, there's a lot there, you know, oh, yeah. you could make an incredible yeah. movie about it and nobody ever did. But, you know, now, thankfully, <laughs> that's over. So oh, yeah. be a good one. sometimes they uh, they uh, invest in the wrong movie. Look what they did with the Irishman. Oh, my yeah, God. Right? Well, I and guess who guess whose investment that was? De Niro. He bought the script in, I think, 2004. That's how. Yeah, it yeah, it did. Wow. It, 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 it took him. It took him fourteen years to get it to the screen. He's Robert De Niro. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, I know I, on the back of this book here, it's probably you can't even see it, but there's this little poster. This was supposed to be a movie that Anthony Quinn was making about Frank after Frank died. So it was like 1973, and it said there's a major uh, film produced and starring Anthony Quinn in pre- preparation, but it never came to be. And I've always wondered what happened. That's that's oh. Hollywood, you know. It's, Johnny knows it better than anybody, you know, but. Oh, my God, yeah. There were probably a lot of people were still around at that time, too, that were involved in that story. So maybe people didn't really want that movie. And that's it. You know, 73, especially. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, that's right. You know, Everybody saw The Godfather 10 times, and they all wanted to be him. So (laughs) John Gotti changed from, you know, warm-up suits and and running suits to Brioni suits. (laughs) Yeah. One of the questions I, I always get asked too at the, the page that you were asking about Patrick is did they people ask me if Frank saw the Godfather and I I heard he did he did I, I, private did like screening did, private did, screening they had for him what, what was his opinion Carlo Gambino was there oh wow oh no they they well they, they, you know what happened when we we all know that they they took out Joe Colombo's Joe Colombo just appeased the world when he made the deal, and they, they, they would tell him, stop, you know, picketing the FBI bill and all this and that. He made the deal where he gets the first night premiere. I don't know if you know that. No. Every, every major city. I was a part of that deal. And every major city, that's how I told him how we make money. Because how are we going to make money with this? Because that was my approach, because I wanted the part. And he was promised in the deal. If he got the locations and secured the unions and all the stuff that they needed, we would have the first night in every major city prior to it open locally and get 100 to $200 a ticket and do an event. And then the day he got shot, everything was off. In fact, the funny story, two uh, about a week later, we're shooting the scene with me and Connie. And I said, clean up, you guinea brat. And Coppola says, stop, we can't use that. Remember? I said, he's dead now. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he wasn't dead. He was in a coma, but brain dead. 
I still haven't seen that movie, The Offer. I would like to. Oh uh, boy, you, you just, oh you just hit a raw nerve. Oh, <laughs> is it? Is it any? I mean, I don't know much about it. I've, yeah, so. you know what? You go online today. The Daily News. Robert John, uh, Richard uh, Richard Johnson is did a major story on me about the offer, and we've been. It's a thought on my side what they did to me. They bastardized me. I mean, I was suing them. You know, that's all. That's what this is all about. Oh, I, I didn't know all that. Yeah, I pulled a lawsuit because I was spending so much money, and some wiser people than I said, "Johnny, CBS." And they're just going to keep this going forever. Alroyd is 94. They'll wait for him to die. Then you invested all this money. The case goes nowhere. <laughs> wow. So now That's I'm going, I'm going to the court of public opinion. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll have to skip that one then. <laughs> well, I'll go see it. I just watched it. I didn't want to watch it. I I, I don't know if you have uh, Paramount Plus. I think I do. Well, yeah. if you don't. For all your listeners and our listeners, you can go to Paramount Plus, get it a month for nothing. Watch okay. everything you want for a month, and then get don't but don't you know, don't <laughs> <redo. laughs> But uh, yeah, that that's uh, you know the, uh, the the making of the movie was a, was a big story. But what Johnny's talking about is even a bigger story. Uh, it's interesting. That's, that's for certain. Yeah. And anyway, you know, we want to thank you for being on the show. I mean, this has been very enlightening. Thanks uh, for having me. Uh, after we, uh, we go off here, like I said, I'll, I'll get your address. I'll send okay. you a book. And, you know, uh, and uh, if you're looking to launch your, uh, your YouTube channel, well, it's already launched, but if you're looking to expand it and, and, and have guests, you know, Gianni's, available I know. yeah i'd love that <laughs> oh i definitely should do your show no i would love it too no it's that's who we are you know where we you know it's we share our viewers that's what we want to do yeah, yeah. And if, if it wasn't no, for the guests other. it wasn't for the guests that we had or and have been having such as you you know i mean this is what what uh what makes a show guests yeah you guys have had some good ones on there the show really took off i mean i've been listening to it for just pretty much about as long as it went almost right when it came out. So oh, again, okay. you know, anytime Cost Costello's name comes up, I'm reading it or watching it, something like that. So, <laughs> well, we're going to have on uh, Rob Freed next week. Oh, good. That'd be good. I enjoyed uh, his book. Yeah. Uh, he sent me the, uh, well, he sent us the uh, PDF. I'll have a chance to read it. But uh, for those of you who are listening now, uh, this is going to be a, a, a Frank Costello 24-7 channel. <laughs> well, so, he, he really did his research. I was really surprised. I uh, When I first heard about that book coming out, I asked for a press copy to, you know, to review it. But yeah. I didn't get one because I, I don't really have anything like that going. But uh, I he contacted me through the page after I read it. I put a nice little review on there. And so I talked to him. But I was real surprised because, you know, that it's fiction and that could go one or two ways, but he, he really did his research on that. And he put a lot of uh, all those aspects of, of Frank in there. I thought he did a really good job. Yeah. I just, uh, I just uh, started it. The guy is a very good writer. Yeah. Uh, it, and it isn't, uh, you know, you can read a couple of days. It's only like 200 and something pages. It's not yeah, a, short. It isn't a big book, but anyway, we're having him on uh, next week to uh, add to your story. Great. I can't wait to see that too. 
So you get some publicity from that because we will definitely quote you and mention your name, obviously. Absolutely. <laughs> thank you, guys. All right. Thank you. All right. Well, well, thank you and continued success. And we'll we'll put it up where you know where you can find everything and your website and all that. Yeah. So. Can't wait. I appreciate right. you guys doing this and continued success to you guys too. Well, thank you very much. And anytime you want me to come on your show, let me know. All right. I'll, now I got to now I got to do something. <laughs> there you go. Uh, okay. Well, uh, uh, once again, Casey, thank you very much, and Johnny, I'll be staying here. And uh, good night, everybody. All right. All right. Good night, good night everybody. everybody. Thank you. Stay safe in this crazy world. And that was that. And I'll be back. Thank you for tuning no in to the Hollywood Godfather podcast. You can contact Gianni Russo or Patrick Picciarelli with your questions and comments through the contact section of our website, hollywoodgodfatherpodcast.com, which is where you can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter. You can also call and leave us a message at 646-776-3038. Remember to follow us on Instagram at Hollywood Godfather and on Facebook, as well as leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd like to know what you like about what we're doing, what you'd like to hear in the future, and anything else you might suggest to improve our podcast. Most importantly, hit the subscribe button. We'll be back next week with stories of the mob and Hollywood, as well as answers to your messages. Good night. My kids still can't believe I sat with a saint. My life's like scenes out of a movie. I'm the Hollywood Godfather, truly. I got stories with them all. You know, celebrities, world leaders, icons. Who knows what's next for me? I'll never get too old to have a little fun. Come on, I'm Gianni Russo. A genuine one of a kind. What a ride it's been, this life of mine. And I ain't done yet. I'll be back until next time. And that was that.